Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Roots Running Sessions. I'm Richie Hansen, coach of the Roots Running Project, and if you like the content we're providing, please subscribe or write a review on SoundCloud or iTunes. And follow us on Instagram or Twitter at Roots underscore running. Additionally, consider supporting our pursuits further by donating on our website at rootsrunning.org. Thanks for listening and hope you enjoy. professionally and part of that is love and just running for the sake of loving running part of that is competing for the sake of competing and just loving competition hey guys i'm sitting here with willie mylam and Aliyah gray from our roots running project group it's been a little bit since we posted a podcast track season's kind of a whirlwind traveling a lot and it seems like we've had someone racing almost every weekend uh, with the growth that our group saw this past this past fall. So instead of updating or recapping each individual meet, I figured at the end of the season we just kind of do a seasonal recap, go through a lot of the results that the, the team has had, and, and talk about some of the successes or failures that, that we saw throughout the season. So the purpose of this episode, however, is to kind of detail the expectations that a post-collegiate athlete might have. We're one week out from the NCAA Division I National Championships, and it's a good time to kind of reflect on the decision the two of you made to pursue post-collegiate racing and running versus what a lot of college grads feel the need to do, which is find a career job. And Willie, you kind of had that, as did you, Alita, right out of school before making the decision to move to Boulder and and make more of a commitment uh, to post-collegiate running. So let's kind of talk about that before we get into some of the questions that a post-collegiate athlete might might be asking themselves. Um, so Willie, kind of describe that first year out of college. You ran for Bowerman Track Club for a year, but you were working a full-time job at the same time. It was primarily recreational running. Um, I kind of, coming out of college, I ran for five years. I was working on making that decision on whether I wanted to pursue running, whether I wanted to pursue a professional career. And where did you go? What were your PRs? <laughs> um, I went to Gonzaga University, trained under Pat Tyson. Um, I ran like 401 for the mile, 807 for 3,000, um, 1353 for the 5K. Um, I think towards the end of my career... At Gonzaga, I was a little burnt out mentally and physically. It just takes a toll on you for training that hard, especially in the collegiate system when it's just a lot of miles, a lot of workouts. So I was pretty tired, and I still love the sport, but I wasn't totally set on. I knew I knew what it what it had what I had to do to continue running at a professional level, and I just wasn't sure if I wanted to do that. And if you're not sure if you want to do that mentally, then it's not going to lead to not only success, but a positive experience, I would think. So I kind of thought about that a lot. And I think put pressure on myself to start a career outside of running because, you know, to try to find purpose outside of who I was as a runner. I think some people go through that kind of crisis at times. But I, I was just made, I had to think about that a lot as I was graduating. 
Um, decided to follow the career outside of running, um, see how that would fit me and if I was going to be happy. So I got a job as a financial analyst, was working full time, but still couldn't stop running. I still love to do it. I, st I, I, I think it was good for me because I put, um, took a lot of pressure off of myself as a runner and just started doing it as much as I wanted to. And started just not uh, not care too much and not put too much pressure on myself, which kind of made me feel a lot less, a lot more carefree. And then I started just doing what I want, and then I started to run a little bit more and then get a little more serious, and then I realized that I do love it. I do miss it, and I am passionate about it. So I probably worked for about just over a year um, in Portland as a financial analyst and was just realized that I'm wasting time since I do love the sport and I do love running. Was there a light bulb moment that kind of made that decision, or was it a gradual process that kind of brought you to contacting us, wanting to make the decision to move? Um, mostly a gradual process. Uh, I just realized as I was running for Bowman Track Club, um, I met a lot of great guys on that team and had a lot of fun, had a lot of good workouts. As I hopped into races and, and hopped into workouts with those guys, and even just by myself, I just realized I was just a happier person. I was a lot more alive. I just felt like um, I was a lot more just, I was just energized while I was doing workouts and races. And every time I noticed that at like club cross country, doing um, like Portland Track Fest, doing, you know, the UW races indoors on my own accord um, as part of Bowman Track Club while still working full time, I just realized those were like the highlights of my year. So when I thought about that, um, I realized that was what was most important to me. Um, and then kind of just the gradual wear and tear of working 40 plus hours a week and training. It just kind of, I just realized I wasn't happy doing the day to day. What I was looking most forward to was running. Um, and then there was no light bulb moment, but I do remember I was just kind of messing around on Google, just looking at different professional runners and what, what was going on. And, I found an article on Runner's World about three Olympic trial hopefuls, and one of them was actually, well, one of them was Stephen Pfeiffer, but another mm -hmm. one was this guy named Noah Drotti. No idea who he was, but he was the reason who I found out who Roots was, because I was like, who's Noah Drotti? And that was from Bloomsday, right? Uh, that you, that saw, was, you read the article about Pfeiffer from Bloomsday. Yes, yeah. and it was leading up to the trials marathon, uh, yeah. the marathon trials. So I read that, made the connection, found Roots went to Roots Running website, and then was like, you know what, I'll just inquire about, you know, training and whatnot, and so then I emailed Richie and got a response, which I was not expecting, and that was kind of just like the click. That's what set off the chain of events and made me start getting more and more excited about making that transition. As hard as it is to transition away from, like, that set life in a career to t something totally different, it was a huge shift. And Aaliyah, you had kind of a similar experience. You you were a late bloomer to the sport. You were working full-time in downtown San Francisco. What was it that kind of sparked that decision? I, I think that really the reason that I ended up finally making the decision to, um, to actually dedicate more time and energy to running was that I was working, I was working full-time and trying to train full-time still. And you know, I was able to do it for a little bit, but pretty soon I started to see that I wasn't doing either of those to my full capability. And for me being kind of a perfectionist, like that just killed me. Um, you know, it, I needed to feel like I was at least doing one thing really well. 
and knowing that there's, you know, there's an expiration date on, on professional running and the peak that, the peak that you're in physically, I just felt compelled to kind of take the leap. So that, that aspect that you both are kind of describing that compulsion to kind of take the leap and see what you can do as a post-collegiate athlete, there's a certain level of purpose that has to accompany that. Talk about that a little bit, handling your own kind of expectations of what what you want to get out of the sport and the, the intrinsic pressure we all tend to put on ourselves when it comes to performing up to that expectation that can justify the decision that you both made mm-hmm. to continue that pursuit. Yeah, it's a tough thing to balance. Um, I think it's natural in any sport, um, but in my experience, I've only experienced with runners, is you put a lot of pressure on yourself and that kind of can crush you. Um, I think for me personally, from my experience, when I moved away from the job outside of running to running, it was a very intrinsically passion-fueled decision because I realized that I not only wanted to run, but I just loved doing it, the day in and day out, the little things. Um, So it made it a lot easier for me, and it makes me less regretful and worried and I don't freak out as much thinking about it because I enjoy doing this day in and day out, doing the running, doing the things that involve training as a professional runner. And I think that's most important because we all have, there's always, you know, goals and endpoints that people want to reach in, in the sport. Um, but the most important thing is that you do love to do it and you do, you know, you want to, you want to get the most out of the sport and out of yourself. Um, which will ultimately lead you to more success success than if you focus on certain times and places and whatnot. I think it's obviously important to have those goals, and I do have a lot of goals with time and place, but I find it much more exciting, and um, it helps me get a little more um, fiery when I think about getting as much as I can out of myself in the sport and knowing that I'm pulling everything that I can out out of myself. Yeah, to kind of build on off of what Willie's saying, um, as cheesy and cliche as it may sound, like what what we're doing is just trying to get the best out of ourselves every single day. We're trying to do the best that we can. And that sounds really simple, but in actuality, it's like this hugely complex thing to, to actually do, to walk away from a practice knowing that you really gave it everything, that you didn't give up halfway through the workout, that you didn't slip and focus. It's you know, it's this basic concept that a lot goes into and that practice every single day requires. Um, and that's a, I don't know, it's a really beautiful thing and it can be really tough too. I think that especially when I was first out of college, like my PRs didn't indicate that I would like making it, making it to USA's was like a real stretch for me versus rather than thinking about like something huge, like making a team or, these big goals that a lot of people have, um, who know that they're going to be professional runners. So I think that was ingrained in me from a really early point because I always, I always was a developmental runner from the very beginning. When I was talking about we do what we do because we love it and that's part of the motivation. And there's a lot of people out there that have their own hobbies and things that they do because they love it, but there's something on another level that you want to do it to like the 100, 110% that you can so that 
we're not just out here, hobby, you know, just jogging around and whatnot. We're, like, trying to push ourselves to a certain, you know, to the limit and to reach that level that our bodies can reach that we didn't know that it could reach. Now, I think that last point, you're saying you're trying to get the most out of yourself, give 110%, making the commitment to pursue post-collegiate running. Cliches everywhere, yes. Mm-hmm. Cliches, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but at the at a certain point, like, Aaliyah, you made the 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 statement that you were a developmental runner you didn't have the the marks on paper that a lot of really good dis- division one athletes may have had that the decisions made for them when they're getting offered say some sort of monetary compensation to continue pursuing the sport so there has to be an intrinsic passion from someone like yourself to continue however that doesn't also mean everybody can do it there has to be like anyone can be a runner but not mm-hmm. everyone can be a post-collegiate runner competing for a U.S. championship berth. So I guess my next question for both of you is when, when you're looking at your, your own self as a post-collegiate runner, the idea of setting realistic expectations, but also setting big goals, like how do you balance those? Yeah. Well, it's, it's, it's a hard thing to do because... You don't want to be the person that just reaches, has these absurd goals. It's good to have big goals because you want to improve. You want to reach a certain level and improve. But it's there's a certain point where these goals are kind of outlandish. And you're not going to get anywhere because you're trying to jump 10 steps at once. Whereas then there's the, the, the person that has goals that are so very achievable that you're not really pushing yourself and that you can do better so it's good to have the mindset the wherewithal of having those large goals and it takes a lot of thinking and a lot of analyzing to know what is the right goal but to have those big goals but also understand that it takes time and takes steps and it takes it's a process um yeah noah i mean when noah contacted us he's not telling me <laughs> I'm going to make the next Olympic team and I'm going to run X time and I'm going to get sponsored. Like it took time for that to start becoming realistic of not only doing this and actually having like that. He literally had those steps to make the big goals. So that's 6148 and to those times that he's, that he's gotten to, but also his approach, his mindset. He like totally, he, he understood that he understood it and he followed through with it. But it's hard to do. <laughs> it's it's hard to do, and not everyone's going to be a Noah. And this is something we've kind of talked about too. Like, not everyone has the mental makeup to yeah. be a good post collegiate runner. Mm-hmm. And so, when you guys are looking both at yourselves, when you're looking at teammates, when you're looking at other competitors, what qualities from a mental side of things do you think it takes to be a good post collegiate runner? Things that you guys may be consistently trying to work on yourselves. Mm-hmm. And things that you feel like you already do fairly well at. Um, patience, stubbornness, and stubbornness in the right. I, w- I would say stubbornness in like your resolve to succeed, but flexibility in your method, um, because you're going to have to change and shift and um, be flexible to accommodate just what life throws at you along with running. Yeah. Um, I think trusting you know, choosing a, choosing a system that you believe in and trusting the people around you and really being able to lean on them is huge too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think base like, 
I think setting a good foundation for yourself is yeah. incredibly huge. There's so many factors that play into it. Um, we've talked about a lot. and Talent has to be number one. <laughs> well, you got to have talent, yeah, because if you want to be professional, you're like, as hard as you try sometimes, you know, some people's bodies just won't go as fast as others. But, and it's hard for me coming from my perspective because I haven't PR'd in two plus years and I don't have the marks to really discuss with the best of the pros. But I've had a lot of experience working with a lot of runners and coaches and talking to Richie a lot. And there's, I think, a later point to a lot of them, and it's patience, being smart about your training, training smart, not just training hard, but also knowing when to train hard and when to be aggressive. Because if you're not going to willing to be aggressive and train hard, then you're not going to be able to push the limits. And I think one of the, one of the most important factors is being consistently diligent is knowing that it, you're going to hit roadblocks, hit obstacles, but powering through in the right situations is yeah, going Yeah, that to... doesn't mean powering through necessarily <laughs> physically all the time, but like, yeah. I mean, if you're, if you're, I mean, that's, that's kind of jumping onto another topic of like, when you, when you do have a setback, I mean, both of you have had setbacks in your career. Willie, you're coming out of the dark right now with an IT band issue. <laughs> Aaliyah, you were sick after Chicago marathon a couple times this winter. And so both of you are kind of coming out of that, like mm-hmm. setback mode and going into managing a new level of expectations as you start gaining more and more fitness. Mm-hmm. So when you're, when you're healthy, it's easy to set goals when you're injured, when you're sick, it's not a bad thing to start looking ahead to those goals, but you also have to like, be patient with what your current state is. So kind of how, how do you manage that side of it? Cause there were, I mean, yeah. we're, we're getting to the end of the season right now where there are some college runners that probably are kind of wavering on that fence of, do I continue post collegiate running their last year of their college career ended in injury mm-hmm. where they may not have had the opportunity to go to regionals or nationals. And yeah. they may be thinking I'm not good enough, but they do have the talent. Yeah. It doesn't just happen in, you know, a moment. It takes an accumulation of time. You don't just go from, you know, regionals and NCAAs to making U.S. trials in a moment. It's not linear progression. Yeah, it takes a lot of time. There's a lot of setbacks. But, I mean, going off of that injured, since that that was the situation that I'm in right now currently, is that it's hard to really lose not only your motivation... And sometimes people's desire, but also the goals that you that you should be having. It's hard to really kind of lose sight of those because it's just so seems so far away. You're like, it feels like you're falling down well, and your goals are just like getting smaller and smaller, and the light is just further and further away. Like when you're not running, and you're like, how am I supposed to run like this workout, or how am I supposed to run this certain time that I want to run? But you just have to realize that it takes time, and if you, you know, if you enjoy doing what you know doing the training and working out and uh, then you'll progress and it'll start accumulating and then those goals will get closer and closer and closer but you have to be able to you have to be able to handle um, kind of that darkness and being far away yeah it's like that article that I sent you about uh, the Canadian 1500 meter run Sheila Reed Sheila Reed it was like exactly my where I was at it was my situation it just and the thing is that everyone's been there everyone I mean 
unless you're amazingly lucky, you're just super healthy, just like have a super body, then everyone's going to be in those moments where you seem so far away from where you want to be. Yeah, Leah, you made the comment like a month, two months after Chicago Marathon when you were starting to get back into training, you got sick, and then your calf flared up. You said, do I just suck at running now? Like, <laughs> But you weren't alone in that. Like, It's just the you, human mind. You, you go through those thought processes of can I get back to that level that I had previously seen and how do I kind of work back to that mode? I, well, I think it's a scary thing when you feel really far away from something that you used to be and to make the endeavor worthwhile, you know, that you want to be even further than that, you know? And so that's, that's terrifying. And like Willie said, weathering that storm is a big, is a big part of professional running and any professional athletic pursuit, I think. Um, my like latest mantra coming out of just a string of small setbacks that made me lose more fitness than I had in a while was I just had three words and the first one was hope. The second one was dream and the third one was fight. And so it was kind of in that succession. Like you need to have some basic level of hope that it's going to get better first. You need to allow yourself to dream to take those next steps forward. And then you need to fight like hell. Um, And I think just for me, breaking those really hard times down into something super basic is really helpful. Yeah, I mean, managing setback, managing expectations that you intrinsically put, you can argue the flip side, managing success is just as difficult. And when someone starts seeing their work paying off and they keep building and building and maybe they eventually do achieve some of the goals that previously were thought to be a little bit more unrealistic than they than they could have imagined how you deal with that success also is an indicator of what your longevity within the sport i mean Aaliyah, you and i watched the documentary champs this week and we saw that same thing with someone like mike tyson whose pro career was what eight years and at the end it was just losing the drive to fight because he had achieved a certain level of success that it was hard for him to find the motivation to, to keep doing it. Some some post-collegiate runners coming out, they may think that they're going to have success right away. That first year is challenging. We, we say all the time that it's almost like you're a freshman in college again because you're learning how to run as a post-collegiate, how to run as a pro, how to handle the training, which is completely different than what most are used to. In, in a collegiate system and athletes we've seen it more often than not they tend to struggle a little bit that's why sorry just really quickly that's why you notice a lot of pros either like stay in the cities that they were at in college in the same system or they go to a system that's very similar with like a team environment it's like that they don't they don't want to change much which is smart because this is working and for those who kind of shift that much it's difficult and some don't necessarily have a choice either. If yeah. they do have a sponsorship offer that kind of drives them towards a certain area, sure. that makes it a little bit more difficult. But weathering that storm that first year out is kind of an important thing. We've seen athletes that want to be the professional runner. They they feel like they have these big goals and they can do it, but then they struggle those first couple of months as a post-collegiate. They very quickly lose that that motivation. But weathering that storm also can bring a certain level of success later. So managing that once (laughs) they start to attain it is another challenge. Yeah. Well, I think the big, the hardest part about like 
having some form of relative success and continuing forward. Like we've talked about having goals and then having these smaller sub goals to reach on along the way. As you get further along, you have less of those smaller sub goals. The goals become larger and they become higher stakes. And so and the, expectation's the expectation is higher. And so it's managing that in a very different way. You know, you don't have baby steps anymore. Um, or it's figuring out a new strategy yeah. to look at them. And things just get more magnified. Yeah. I think on both ends, ends of the spectrum with if you're injured or going through like an obstacle or if you're performing really well and success is coming, you start overthinking things. It's just, that's just what naturally tends to happen. And then you start overanalyzing and then it's just, it, it doesn't become as enjoyable and natural and fun. It, then it just becomes more of a task and a chore. And then you're, you're thinking about the sport and what you're doing, not as much as, um, you're doing it because it's your passion but more because of, you know, it's a job and then there's more you know, pressure, more expectations. And then you just have to, it's hard to manage. That's a whole other end of the spectrum. And when you do find success, you have to manage all those things that come with the success and the performance, which I think is difficult. I don't know it, but I think it's difficult. <laughs> well, and one of the things that is a challenge too, especially if you aren't one of those upper tier athletes that may be getting a contract from one of the bigger sponsors straight out of college it's kind of how managing the little things that surround performances, right? Mm-hmm. Like booking your own travel. You may be covering your living costs for the first time. If you weren't under scholarship at the school that you went to, mm-hmm. um, buying your own gear and footwear. What, what types of things did you guys have to do to make post collegiate running both a successful endeavor, but also something realistic to achieve on a day to day basis that both of you left full-time careers in order to pursue. Mm-hmm. It's not like you're going right back into a full-time career job at that point. Mm-hmm. People do it, but it's very difficult to do. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of different factors that go into it. And I'm working on, you know, I think it's helpful coming from that background where you were working full-time because it helps you deal with managing those types of things. Um, just how, how to live your life and how to successfully perform all those little things that help you become a professional runner. And I think it's good to have that mindset and that, that approach. If you do make that transition to be a pro runner, that it is a full-time job and that is going to be your priority. And then everything surrounding that is a part of that job. Um, so I think like, you know, like things like buying, shoes and clothes that are for training and making sure that your training is going well and that you're going to make practice and then if you need to have a you know a job a side job outside of running that it works with running and doesn't affect your running and then working and traveling and racing it's just all a part of the wheel of professional running and you have to make everything fit or else um the wheel kind of just comes off and then you start losing it and you're not having fun anymore it's hard to make it's hard to figure out I'm still trying. I'm still working on it, but <laughs> I, I think it's hard because you're when you graduate college, you're trying. If you are trying to become a professional runner, um, you're also trying to become a professional just adult <laughs> too. Whereas you, you know you've been a student for your whole life, so there's been a certain type of structure that has just been given to you, and now there's a certain sort of freedom that can also be a little bit paralyzing to some people, um, where you really need to figure out. Okay, even if it's a really basic 
you know, minimum wage, near a minimum wage, part-time job? How many hours do I need to work to cover expenses to be comfortable so I'm not freaking out at the end of the month when rent is due? Um, or to be able to give yourself the flexibility to buy a flight to a race and cover a hotel room. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, so a lot of it, I think, unfortunately, I think a lot of it does come down to managing basic finances um, and just kind of growing up a little bit after college in a different way then maybe maybe some people have already had to do that in college careers but i think a lot of people have either had help from the school or help from their parents and maybe in this next phase of life um you know they're they're kind of forced to take a little bit more responsibility and that's that's a good thing but it's just a lot to deal with at once yeah it's a tough cycle right because it's like you're trying to find work to help you cover your expenses and it's then easy to get caught up in that work because you're trying to cover expenses yeah. but that could also be it, taken the balance away balance is so difficult yeah yeah I, i've given up on balance a long time ago <laughs> i think balance is bullshit um even though i want it like it sounds great <laughs> don't get me wrong um it, i think there's a constant push pull i guess is more what i'm getting at i don't think there's a perfect situation for anyone but you know these are different for everyone yeah these are all factors just to keep in mind um yeah i think yeah we there's a lot of runners out there that kind of are upset that there isn't enough money in the sport and that there isn't enough support in the sport do you think that's an unfair expectation that runners look at the sport and expect that there's more than what there is when they come out yeah, I think, well, I think the sport can do more to make it more profitable. I think there's just, the, that's a big level, like, picture of this, you know, structure of the sport. I think there is more that can be done to make it easier for the runners. But I think also, I think people use it as a cop-out sometimes. Because when it ultimately comes down to you, you know, making it work, like, you can't just rely on everyone else just doing everything for you. But ultimately, if you want to do it, make it work. And it is totally doable if you want to make it work. And um, the lifestyle is not for everybody. No, it's it's difficult. It's grueling. It's it's hard. But um, but you find fulfillment in it. Yeah. And I think I think Aaliyah was really right when she said that a lot of people in this sport, when you, you know, try to become a professional runner, you're also still working on being an adult. And <laughs> it's hard to figure those two things out at once because you kind of have the training down when you're out. When you're in college, you have the training down, you have it kind of set up for you, and you also have your life, you know, a lot more support in the system that you're in, and then you're kind of done with that, and you have to find support, you know, ways to support yourself while still maybe doing a new, whole new training program, so it well, throws everything off. Well, and the two of you were kind of in a unique scenario where you had both been out of school for a year before, but decided to make that jump. Aaliyah, you made the joke that more new post-collegiate runners tend to use that first year out of college with running as a, a way to figure out who they are, what they want to do. They don't know anything else other than mm-hmm. running. It's kind of used as that ends of, it's a holdover until they do figure out what they want to do. Yeah. I mean, I think running is an identity. I think that if you're doing it professionally, you have to accept it as an identity and embrace it. Like my first year out of college was spent trying out a lot of different things. (laughs) Um, just, I, I traveled, I moved around a couple different times before eventually landing in Colorado, um, just about a full year after graduating from college in the first place. You know, I, I knew I really liked running and I was still trying to do it, but I had no idea what I wanted to do in the full scheme of things. Um, 
And so, yeah, I was still figuring things out. And I think everyone goes through that in their own way in the first year out of college. Some people do take a very much more structured route where they pick a line and they follow it and they'll have their own successes and um, failures along the way. I think mine were a little easier to see just because, I, I don't know, I, I tried a lot of stuff and, you know, and eventually found something that I felt like worked out out in the Rockies. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's just a part of, you know, most of the people at this stage are in their mid-20s or so. And you're just trying to figure out who you are and what you want to do. Some people have it set up and they know what they're doing. They're either lying to themselves or they just they just know. And that's what I'm jealous of. Um, <laughs> but I think I found it. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's that's partially what you know I went through last year. I was figuring out who I wanted to be and who what was most important to me. Um, and there's still you know a lot of you know there's still times where I miss. I feel yeah I get FOMO of like my friends. I moved away from my friends, and, like, people are traveling, and, like, they have money to go travel everywhere, and, like, see these new places and new things, but in the end, that's not as important to me right now, and it makes it easier to know that I'm happiest, and I'm doing what I enjoy the most, and it's also a time-sensitive thing, because my body will not allow me to do this for anything for very long, um, and it's also really, it's really helpful to have, you know, support that people that understand what you're doing and why you're doing it and they're like it's okay that's cool go do that thing well and you you kind of brought up one of the quotes that tyler in one of our previous podcast episodes had mentioned which was i have a really hard time believing that in my mid-30s i'm going to regret being a post-collegiate runner for yeah. that time in my 20s yeah and you said that kind of spoke to you based on what you were going through at the same time it was yeah it's like the perfect thing to hear <laughs> and like i i I do like hearing those types of things where I'm like hearing someone discuss what they've been through in their experience and me being like, that's exactly what I'm doing and what's most important to me, like that Sheila Reed article. Mm -hmm. And that's just, you know, that just spoke to me so much and it just made me realize like, you know what, that I don't want to have that regret of not knowing what to do, like not knowing if I didn't do it. You both talked about a little bit about what it takes to kind of find the means in order to pursue the sport, finding jobs that accommodate the hours and the the lifestyle that you need mm -hmm. to do. And a lot of our athletes, for instance, work at like the rec centers and the gyms because it gives them the kind of that flexibility that they're looking for. Mm -hmm. How do you define what the ends to what this pursuit is? Like, what is it that drives you to want to be a post-collegiate runner versus still being a runner with a full-time job? Mm -hmm. I, I think competition, you know, forces you to get the best out of yourself versus I don't know that I would put as, I don't know that I would try as hard at running if I knew there was not, like, a test coming yeah. that mattered. Um, you know, I'm sure there will be a day where I'm still running for the enjoyment of it past my prime um, where I'll hop in a local 5k, but who knows, we'll still be just like hammering it out, you know, <laughs> versus doing it just to jump in and be a part of the community and say hi. So I, it is, it is just a very different approach to the sport. I, I talked recently to someone who used to be a professional runner and after they were done being a professional runner, they, for some reason, like couldn't get themselves out the door to just go for a run. Like yeah. they couldn't, and they couldn't figure out why they couldn't get themselves out the door for a run. And eventually he was saying that he went to, you know, he 
talked to some people and um, went to a professional and he realized that he had like this complex built in for competition, you know, that he had built and running was the mode that he did that. What's the point of running if you're not going to go? Yeah. And so I I think that there's like, there's two very distinct things within running professionally. And part of that is running for the sake of loving running. Part of that is competing for the sake of competing and just loving competition. And it's great if you can find a marriage between the two of those. Um, it's, it's, it's complex and hard. It's, it's so different for everyone too. It's different for like timeline for everyone. It's different for, you know, like understanding what, like when that end will come. Um, and it's, I, I, that's like kind of a discussion of like, when is the end? When, when you know is the end going to be the end? And I feel like I'm so far away from that, so I don't really know. Um, but I think everyone kind of comes to that point where it's just like that, that love for it, doing, going out and going for a run, getting excited for workouts, it's kind of just, it's, it's gone and you're not excited and you don't have those goals in running and competing in races aren't as important as maybe some other goals in life that you have because there's other stuff that goes on in people's lives. And that's not to be misconstrued with like having a bad couple weeks of not being excited about workouts and races because everyone goes through funks and some people kind of misread those funks and those obstacles that like we talked about as it's over because a lot of us are pretty emotional, you know, athletes. <laughs> well, and when you have those funks, it's, it's, it's hard not to feel like the pariah, yeah. right? Like the cancer of the group. And yeah, and I was, I was thinking about that a lot recently is like, um, we, I talk about people who are getting, who like are injured, you know, who are like going through like a rough patch who are really far away from the goals. And then there's people who are like at their goals and like they're killing it. And then there's the people who are kind of in the middle that kind of like feel like they're stuck in the mud. They're healthy, but they're, yeah, they're trying, they feel they're like they're, they're just literally stuck in the mud during workouts sometimes. And that's a really difficult place to be. It's almost harder because you're healthy, you're doing workouts, you're doing fine, but you, you don't, you don't know what's wrong. You don't know what's causing. <laughs> Norman's distracting me on um, but I think sometimes in that, when you're at, at that stage in that mode, you kind of freak out. Um, you get sometimes you jump a couple step, like, um, steps and jump to conclusions. Um, instead of kind of taking a step back and analyzing what other things that could be going on that could be, you know, could be causing the issues and the obstacles. And this is different for everyone. I don't, I, there's no right answer to that. What was the question? <laughs> Uh, managing setbacks when you are, like, you both are going through that right now. Like you said, you had kind of a rough patch this winter. I had like a rough nine months. <laughs> well, um, one of the things that you said is when things are not going well, everyone that comes up to you kind of is walking on eggshells saying, how are you doing? How are you feeling? And it's, that could be your perspective of like the impression, your almost expectation that people are going to ask. Yeah. I was about to say, I think part of it is like you're prepping yourself for that. Um, I think when you do dedicate so much of your life to running though, it's natural for anyone to ask how it's going. And, um, (laughs) when it's, when it's going anything, but amazingly it's, that's kind of a hard question to answer. Uh, because I, I don't know, I like to be truthful with people, but I also don't want to be a downer. Um, yeah, so it's striking a balance between, you know, being honest and frank yeah. and learning to deal with the not-so-fun stuff as gracefully as you can. And it's okay to be honest and frank, too. 
Yeah, but I I think in a you know in a certain way I like I I wish I wish some more people were a little bit more honest I guess because I think it would be it would make things a little bit easier. Um, I think it's always, you know, it's always a lot easier to talk about running when, when things are going well and you're more excited about Mm -hmm. talking about it. But like we've mentioned, these setbacks or lulls are part of the game for anyone. And so learning how to navigate that and maybe drawing off other people's experience, navigating that could be really beneficial. Now, one of the things, not just managing setbacks, but managing stress is a big thing too. And we've seen direct relations between positive outlook and someone with not a lot of stress in their life doing fairly well. And then as stress tends to increase, Mm -hmm. the performance also suffers. So how do both of you kind of manage that stress on a day to day, both with work, life, performance, balance? Uh, having strictly good vibes. <laughs> good vibes only. Lots of Netflix. So sorry, keep Lily around. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I think a big part of it for like for our group is having each other there to keep things light when it feels really when things feel really shitty, um, or just having someone to say like, hey, I know it must be really frustrating to kind of see you and hear you and you know for you to feel like they have faith that things will turn a corner as well. Um, that's really big. Um, just, I mean, managing stress is something that I'm consistently learning. And I think that a lot of people are consistently learning, but I think it boils down to like being able to breathe through a moment and seeing towards like a better future, you know, whether that be in a half hour or a week or a month, you know, it's, it's just knowing that like, however crappy the moment may be, like, it's not forever. It'll pass. Yeah. My mom always tells me to get into meditation because it kind of helps you take a step back and just calm down. (laughs) And then you can focus on the task at hand and then you move forward. I never do it. (laughs) (laughs) Because it's your mom and you don't listen to mom. (laughs) But, no, Aaliyah, Aaliyah's, that's so true. It's, it's hard. I mean, just, there's always going to be stress. You have to learn how to manage it and, there's a couple things I feel like surrounding yourself with the right people, those that you want to be surrounded by, those that are fun, that make you, that, that, you know, that are uplifting. It helps so much because if you're constantly surrounding yourself by people that you don't enjoy to be around or that are just, you know, negative, it'll just be a vicious cycle. And then just working on controlling your own mindset, um, trying to be positive and you can't always be positive. You have to accept that it's not always going to be positive, but working on, on being, making the best out of a situation and learning that it will pass if it is going poorly. Um, and that's, this, that's just like life advice, not just like (laughs) running advice. I think there's different stresses in the runner lifestyle that are specific to the sport that you do have to learn. Um, but it's just something that you kind of have to be patient with. As you look at the new crop of post-collegiate runners coming out, what advice would you give them on that first year out of college? What to expect? Um, I mean, I think just be prepared to ride the wave more than ever, you know, uh, just know that you're in like a huge learning curve and kind of follow your gut. I think, you know, Willie was just saying, I'm just giving life advice, not necessarily running, (laughs) but that's, but that's honestly a huge part of it. Like figuring out a stable 
yeah. like life situation for yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a really good way to set yourself up to yield good running results too. Yeah. Because if you're in constant stress and constant flux, like your running is going to suffer eventually, at least yeah. maybe you get away with it for a little bit, but it's not sustainable. A couple things that, that I noticed was that don't try to achieve everything right now. I stumbled to work on that. Um, it takes time. It takes an accumulation of workouts and miles and health and consistency. So don't try to just, you know, win everything at once. You're not going to make the Olympics your first year out. Some people might. Some you people know. might, but the, the number is very few. Yeah, it's just don't try to do too much. As my do less. all-time hero would say, <laughs> Paul Rudd, if you're doing too much, do less. But you got to do something. <laughs> now you're just do more not doing that. anything. You're just laying there. So I think it's important to focus on that, to not do everything. Not You don't have to do everything right now. And also, if you do have a setback, if things aren't going as well, it's not over. Well, and one thing I'd add to that is, like, nobody cares how much you rocked in high school. You know what I mean by that? Yeah. Like, your previous performances Mm -hmm. may help you that first year out to get into a meet. Yeah. But it doesn't make you deserve anything. That's like a different point, but it's also, that's another really good point, is that just start fresh. Like, (laughs) Norman agrees. (laughs) It's just like, I, I think, you know, it's so easy to remember how fast you were and what you've done and, and all that. It's just like any other sport, but it's just like any other sport. You have to forget about, you know, all that and just work on the now and work on getting better for the future. Yeah. I mean, you and I kind of talked about today on the run, there's plenty of time, long-term development to yeah. kind of see what you can do. You want to be aggressive and, you know, you want to actually, you know, reach those goals, but it does take time. It does take time. However, <laughs> you do have to make incremental progress. That doesn't necessarily mean you see the times progress consistently, but you need to see your mental shift. You need to see your diligence about what your social surroundings might entail, mm-hmm. how good you are about doing the little things outside of the sport. It doesn't mean that because we know long-term development does take time that mm-hmm. you can say, oh, I've got time, I've got time, because Brenda made a world team at the age of 25. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, there's time. But you have to see progress. Yeah, set your own expectations. Now, one final thought before we kind of cut out here. What is it that drives both of you? Driving for success, driving for fear of not living up to expectations, goals of times, placements at meets. When you get into a competition, there has to be something that puts you on that starting line. And it's not just competing against yourself, which a large part of this sport is. Mm -hmm. It's competing and testing yourself against really good other individuals. And at the U.S. Half Marathon Champs, Aaliyah, you and I were listening to Natasha Rogers' post-race interview. And she said she had to constantly work on that mental game. Everyone on that starting line is fit. Everyone is fit. And so there's a fine line between determining who's going to be successful and who is not because everyone as a post-collegiate is working hard and thinking that they're working hard to put themselves on that starting line. Yeah, every, everyone thinks they're working the hardest, but I think that's like a big takeaway. You think mm-hmm. you're working the hardest, so does the girl next to you, the, the guy next to you. Um, and, that's, and that's fine. That's why we're all here to do it. But just remember that, that doesn't, that's not what makes you special necessarily. because you do that doesn't mean you deserve yeah. The goodies in the world. Yeah. Um, I think my, like, my mental approach, you know, kind of shifts. So 
anyone's would when you, as you like grow into the sport. I, I think right now I'm working on for a long time, just viewed myself as like a mid pack runner mm-hmm. and I'd, I'd run a mid pack race and run like maybe a huge PR and I'd be really happy for it. And that was, those were good goals for me at that time. It wasn't reasonable for me to go out at the front, but you know, as you progress, I'm looking at different goals going into a race and, you know, looking at, okay, so how do I take that next step to be in the hunt of a lead pack Mm -hmm. and to be contributing to moves at the front of a race? Um, so it shifts and changes and that's an exciting thing, but you know, it just is something that comes with, that comes with time. Yeah. For me personally, what drives me, um, I hinted at a little bit was what, why I decided to make the shift and to start running more competitively was because not only did I love the sport and I'm passionate about it, but it's really what makes me feel most alive. I feel like the most energized and like, I don't know, it, you mean endorphins, but like, I feel like, I feel like I'm on drugs when I am running (laughs) at certain points. (laughs) You are not. I am not on drugs. (laughs) Test me. I don't care. But it's just like a different, it's just like a different form of myself that I, I know I don't want to just give up yet. There are moments in the ends of workouts, specifically in the ends of workouts where you just call it the gut checks of workouts where you reach that point where it's just so much pain that you kind of just accept that it's going to be there. And then you just ride that out until you can't anymore. But that's kind of, you know, that's what you train for to get to those levels and to, to sustain that level of pain and that level of working out so that you can do it in a race and then feel that in a race and get to, you know, limits in a race that you've never reached before. And that's just, that's personally, what drives me is to keep pushing beyond that. And obviously those times and places and accomplishments that come with that, like fill you with, you know, excitement and the excitement that I've gone out of certain performances. And there's still so much more to do. Uh, you know, they're just some of my best memories that make me so happy. I, I think that, I don't know, correct me if I'm wrong, this might be something that we share. Like a big, I guess the big driving force behind me would be um, just progress. Like the feeling of progress forward. I'm just like a junkie for it. (laughs) Because when I think back to, like you were saying, these performances in the past that I just remember as being like such highs and such like, such incredible and memorable points for where I'm at now, they wouldn't those experiences wouldn't be the same. Um, but it's more that just the fact that there's, you know, you see dividends paid for hard work and Um, you see consistent and you see consistent returns, even if it's undulating, you see consistent returns moving in a forward progression. I think that's really satisfying. The one of the reasons why I love running so much is because it's one of the most tangible, um, examples of hard work turning into um, a result. Because you are literally pounding, like, you you know, running miles in workouts, and you're seeing your body get faster and stronger, and you can see times and, you know, results in races sometimes that are, like, so specifically hinting back to your work that you put in. So it's just, like, that feeling of after a race, a successful race, and you run a certain time, you do, you know, you perform well. It's just, that's one of the most um, invigorating and exciting results from hard work, I think. And I, that's, I think that's important for most people to find is that, cause that's intrinsic. That's coming from within 
there are people who have the competitive fire and juices from, I want to beat that guy, and I want to beat that guy, and it's, you know, I also want to beat certain people, and everyone, you know, whatnot, but I think it's important that you focus on that, what's within first, so that you can get the most out of yourself, instead of just getting mad about not beating certain people. Well, and I think that's something that running, like we keep saying, you can do that recreationally. Post-collegiate's coming out. It can't just be about, I love running and I want to do it. Mm -hmm. It There has to be something underlying that is that self-motivation of trying to test test metal yeah. every time you're out there. You have to try to compare yourself less to others and more to yourself, not your past self, but just making sure that you're comparing, you're, you are doing the best that you can. All right, on that note, we'll kind of close this out. Aaliyah, had a big week. You have U.S. championships in two weeks. Willie, you're getting back into consistent training now, and we're looking at some of the competitions coming up that, that we might be circling on the calendar for you to, to test out your roots running legs. We're excited, obviously, about some of the stuff that we have coming up as a group, but it's also something that, as we talked about today on the run, Willie, we're constantly looking for improvement of self, improvement of mindset, and willingness to kind of strive to be better and strive to do better. And this was all pointed at me. And this was <laughs> pointed in general at the nature of the sport. Yes, I agree. But it's all I very think, true. I think that's something that like we kind of see as an underlying theme of a lot of the podcasts that we do is just passion and pursuit and all of that, which is which is fine to say but it's harder to actually do. Mm -hmm. And we even see as post-collegiate runners, the ones that are able to do that the most consistently and stay healthy doing that tend to be the most successful. And so it's finding the ways in order to do that consistently. Mm -hmm. All right. Thanks guys. Bye. Bye.